What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr back at it. And we are loaded up today. We'll hear from Cam Taylor Britt, some quarterback news for Nebraska. And I'm smiling, man. One of the best people I know and a guy that sat in with me to do uh, basketball games. Uh, fantastic coach is now going to get uh, the chance to be the head uh, man at uh, Lincoln Southwest Girls Basketball. Tim Berta got named uh, girls head coach uh, a little while ago today. We will talk with Timmy B or Coach Berta coming up here in 30 minutes. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic is on the way in about 20 minutes. Jacob Padilla. Can't wait to talk to Jacob from Hale Varsity. Get his take on spring ball. Uh, Coach Cook at his Zoom session today. Nebraska Volleyball waiting to get back after it uh, Thursday, 19 days since they've last played. Coach Cook will have his uh, women ready to go. And uh, we'll talk some volleyball, spring ball, some Husker movement uh, with basketball from the, the coaching staff standpoint. And then it's uh, a Tuesday, so we catch up with Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska uh, defensive line coach and Iowa defensive line coach, get his take on some things with spring ball. And uh, yesterday was the seventh anniversary to the uh, the infamous spring game where, where Bo walked out with a cat. Somebody in the athletic department's cat said, hey, we, we got a cat for you if you want it. I'm a dog guy. Uh, I don't dislike cats. I just, they make me puff up and sneeze. There's my take. So uh, loaded and lots to get to. Uh, numbers to dial us up. Please join us. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Jacob already uh, breaking some news as well with St. Thomas from Millard North going to Loyola of Chicago. So one of those studs from uh, Millard North has made his decision for uh, college basketball. Uh, I want to get into... uh, the the recruiting side of things but first and foremost uh good write up here by uh Derek Peterson on FPI and and this time of year uh things are out there when it comes to to FPI and who is going to knock on that door football power index what are the chances for Oklahoma on Nebraska's schedule how about Ohio State on Nebraska's schedule who can challenge Alabama? And uh, where does Nebraska come in? What does the football power index have uh, have Nebraska at? Well, here's what the Huskers are currently looking at here as we're into the spring session. With FPI, the Huskers are ranked 46th. And uh, the projected record... 
5.7-6.4. So 6 and 6. C is for cookie. That is good enough for me. That was my mantra uh, when it came to, to trying to get a C in whatever math class they had me take in broadcast school. It was a struggle. 6-6 six and six with Nebraska's schedule. You'd take it. Not ideal. But listen, it's been a long time since the Music City Bowl. Get to postseason, right? So 6-6, six and six, the percentage says this. Nebraska getting to six wins, right about 55%. Chance to win the West, 4%. Chance to win the Big Ten, 0.8%. Damon, are you going to throw some heat on that 0.8% here? Hey, that's 0.8 more than I expected a uh, ranking to put us at. I mean, it's interesting looking at these lists of percentages based off like simulations. Their simulations, their algorithms. Our our boy Brad Edwards wants to get Brad back on, but he was with ESPN for 25 years. And I mean, this was Brad's thing doing the FBI, Bill Conley. Uh, has the write-up. When we look at, you know, who's who's the favorite, I mean, you have Alabama. Uh, their FPI rating's at 28. OU's at 26. Clemson at 23. Iowa State in it. <laughs> the number four spot with their FPI ranking at 22.8. They are in front of Ohio State. They're in front of A&M. Georgia in there. Mississippi State. It is uh, spring football's wrapping up, so we'll get the pirate on next week, Coach Leach. Okie State's there. Penn State, they're right there. Uh, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Texas, Carolina, Miami, Ole Miss, West Virginia, Iowa, and Indiana. I love what Coach DiNardo brought up about Indiana on Friday. What's their complacency like? They have been building and trending and grinding, and they were right there after getting down big to Ohio State and made it a – a one-score game. Can, can Ohio State reload? That's a big-time question. Uh, the The difference is this. you got a returning quarterback at Iowa State. You've got a returning quarterback at Oklahoma. you got a kid at Clemson that almost won at Notre Dame. Bama needs to find a quarterback. Ohio State needs to find a quarterback. A&M needs to find one. Mississippi State's got a couple of guys. Penn State's in search of. I think Texas finally got rid of the dude, Ellinger, that was there 49 years. Carolina's money with their quarterback that's back for Mac. And uh, Florida's got him to get a new, you know, Wisconsin's right in there too as uh, ranked 15th in FPI. So and Nebraska, you know, Nebraska has an established guy in Adrian Martinez at, at quarterback, which is, is huge. The, the next guy at quarterback for Nebraska uh, maybe could be MJ Morris. Let's tell you about MJ Morris. He put out on Twitter uh, that he is going to make his way to Lincoln. MJ Morris didn't have a specific date when he could get to Nebraska this spring. Uh, he was thinking maybe April, but the uh, four star standout from Atlanta uh, would have to wait till May. Uh, it would be a weekend visit. It just worked out that way for him. And uh, so uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost said, you know what? If you're thinking May, how's May 1st sound? Dale! All good. 
so Nebraska will have fans in the at the spring game. Uh, that'll allow recruits to buy their their own seat. Uh, MJ Morris is going to be one of those guys that is purchasing a seat, and he'll be here for the spring game. He put out on Twitter, humble over, excuse me, humble and hungry. So Morris, uh, you know, just shy of 6'2", 180 pound, uh, dual threat guy, is uh, a huge get for Nebraska for a number of reasons. A, he might be Nebraska's number one overall target for 2022. That's where he sits on the board, potentially. Uh, Top five dual threat quarterback in the country. There's 34 scholarship offers around the country. We talked to Greg Smith yesterday. Go read Greg's story today, hailvarsity.com on the news, but it looked like and it sounded like for for Morris, it was Florida State. Well, Florida State's already got a quarterback, and this Morris would be the second quarterback for them in the class. Why not be the man in Lincoln? Get him to Lincoln on his own dime is pretty big. That's big for Scott Frost. That's big for the staff. That's a nice token of, huh, I I really do like this staff. I like Coach Mario. I like Coach Frost. So, so as a fan, Morris will be able to attend the game as a fan, walk around campus, and uh, contact with staff not allowed by NCAA rules right now. All that's been lifted for June. But at least go check it out, see it, have a good time. And Nebraska's been in contact. They've been working hard to get Morris here. He's going to come up on his own dime for the spring game. And these are some of the quotes from Greg's story with MJ Morris. He loves him. I love him. I love how much they know about the game and about quarterbacks. It's the kind of coaching staff I'm looking for who know a lot about quarterbacks. And again, not in Lincoln, but you do have a a history with uh, with with Mackenzie Milton and of course Marcus Mariota. So the the competition is is Florida State. Uh, well, Nebraska it doesn't hurt to have him here uh, for the spring game. That's that's the big news today for Nebraska, that M.J. Morris will be here on his own dime buying a seat to the spring game. And uh, there's going to be a lot of different factors uh, when it comes to just what he'll make a decision on. It's open. I mean, Adrian's here. You saw a good freshman season from Adrian. Uh, maybe you'll see a good uh, junior season for Adrian or senior or whatever technically it is. But the point is this. He can have a nice year. You've gotten rave reviews on where the offense is at. And don't believe me, just ask Cam Taylor. Britt, let's hear from Cam a little bit here. And uh, this is Cam on the offense. And you see kind of a wow factor here with the offense with uh, – a half-full Memorial Stadium, that could do wonders, do wonders impression-wise for a guy like uh, Morris out of Atlanta. A lot of speed, a lot a lot of deep shots. You know, we're actually running downfield and having to cover, you know, uh, it's looking good. Uh, you know, we, we know we just get a push on that line, we get to run the ball downhill, you know, they can't stop us either way then, you know. So, Cam's like, look, man, Nebraska's been able to run the football, but Getting deep, that's something new and, and different here this spring. And, and I think two reasons why. A, you've got a healthy Adrian Martinez. He can get the ball downfield. Two, you've got a receiving core 
that's just different, that's bigger, that's probably able to to get some separation a little bit more. This is more from Cam Taylor Britt yesterday. He was great. He uh, spent about 10 minutes with the media. And Cam's, you know, Cam's uh, doesn't have gray hair, but he's been around a while. This is senior season for him. So he's seen kind of the progression of the offense. It's a big deal, I'll say. Um, you know, just because being here, you know, I've seen the progression of the offense and, you know, as a team, uh, you know, all we had was down here running. We never had, you know, the the actual, you know, big play shots besides, you know, Stanley Morgan when he was here. Had a couple plays, but, you know, uh, it just makes the defense respect you more. Instead of putting seven, six in the box, you know, it, they automatically know we'll run. Uh, it just opens everything up. So that is uh, an endorsement from one of your leaders, uh, your big-time leaders who came back, back to, to Cam Taylor Britt as we tie it in with M.J. Morris and, and another kid from that SEC footprint, potentially. Again, not a commitment, but at least you're getting a visit. You're getting a visit here before things are completely back to normal in this COVID time, and uh, you're getting a really high-level kid to come up here as a dual threat. And what I like about Morris is his motion, how fluid he is, how he can extend plays. I like his arm strength. I like his accuracy. And uh, it is the hard work has paid off for Nebraska. So the competition at corner is pretty fierce. And Cam kind of went into that, and he's not immune from keeping his job. Well, it's a lot of competition. It's, it's, it's deep right now. You know, we have a couple guys, you know, in line right now, and they're, they're taking different reps. Uh, Coach Fish is, you know, he's on everybody's head right now, even mine. He says, you know, it's, it's not a solid spot. And I, I do understand I pay rent just like everybody else. So, you know, I have to come out here and, you know, put first my best effort. And on the other side, it's, it's rough right now. When I say it's rough, I mean, you know, the competition there is really good, really good. And I, I believe the coach is going to have a hard time, you know, picking who's going to be that starter because we, we do have a lot of good guys. You have Quinn Newsom, you have Nadab Joseph, you have Braxton Clark, you have Tamon Lynham. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's deep right there. So, you know, those guys come in every day and they're looking at each other right in the face and letting you know that, you know, I'm coming to work today. I hope you are because I want that spot. See, you got a guy like Cam that came back, wants to, uh, to go to the postseason, wants to win, and wants to further the program. You get a guy that, that is arguably your best player on defense, and he is doing the work. He's showing the young guys how to do it, and he's making plays. And he was phenomenal last year. He was so, so good last year. And it was really his first time as a full-time corner out on that island, right? I mean, he'd line up and D up dudes in the slot, but he was on the outside. And it was his first full-time really playing corner. More from Cam Taylor Britt here as we wind down this first segment. Uh, special teams, that approach has been uh, pretty vital, and uh, he's leading the way on it. It's a, it's a new approach, and it's, a I say, a great approach. Uh, the first day of spring ball, that was the first thing we start off. And then they say, you know, uh, great teams have great special teams. And that's how you can tell about the film as far as, you know, the field goal team and the kickoff team. And far as, you know, our film from last year, as you look at that, you can tell we weren't where we were supposed to be. Uh, we didn't, you know, full speed down the field. We have different phases in the kickoff field, and we weren't doing that just well. You see, we had a return to Rutgers game, and, and we shouldn't even been fighting with that team, and we played to their level. But the special teams is, 
it's, they're being on us hard. I'm talking about they want everything full speed as far as transitioning, um, just just getting off, you know, everything. They want everything full speed, and we need to be locked in just like it's offense and defense. Special teams matters. Absolutely. You know what else matters is it being important to the head man. That's that's your difference. Not only do you have uh, upperclassmen emphasizing it like Cam Taylor Britt, you have a guy like Dawson that's coaching it at a high level. You got a guy like Bill Bush that's a part of things now. The kids are going to absolutely reflect what you deem important and attention to detail. We'll spend some time on that topic and some spring thoughts. Mitch Sherman on the way and new girls head coach for the for uh, Southwest, Tim Berda, coming up this first hour with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your day going? Thanks for the time. Going well. Uh, Cannot complain. How are you, Chris? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, excited for for Saturday to uh, to get a chance to see uh, an extended practice. uh, And uh, I think the, the sessions here have been good for uh, Nebraska football. And, you know, that's where I want to go here to start things off with uh, this spring session. And, you know, Mitch, guys have not had a chance to to play in front of people for a long, long time. And kids love to get out and perform. And, and I think the the attention will be good for the kids for Nebraska's team on Saturday. But I also think it's something that, that just is part of that that uh, evolution, that maturation process, uh, process of of guys learning how to kind of handle th- the moment in the spotlight. How have you been able to to navigate this uh, this spring here as we're halfway home? Uh, what's been been a couple of your takeaways specifically from from Coach Frost yesterday? Yeah, um, there's been a lot to digest. It's been much more insightful than the last year leading up to it on on uh on zoom i can i can definitely reach that conclusion that it's better to talk to people in person face to face than it is on a computer screen um i i think this is a big thing that's happening on saturday you know i think some people maybe wondered well why is nebraska doing this why are they opening a practice in the spring it's not something that 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 this program has has done bring four thousand people in to to watch two and a half hours and put all of their all of their uh, secrets out there on display, um, but I, I think you, you know you hit on it there with the with your your question or your statement leading into the question that that they you know they've missed this so much and this is a direct result of empty stadiums last fall and it's going to take a little bit of an acclimation I think a period for football players around the country especially in the Big Ten where it was entirely almost entirely empty stadiums. For these guys to get used to being back on that stage, um, you know, you don't think about the TV cameras and that you're playing in front of potentially millions of people when there's 200 sitting inside those stadiums. Or, or in the case of the Rutgers game, I think it was Garrett Nelson on Monday who mentioned the, the Rutgers game was, was was making some comments about that game and how it was entirely empty and how just bizarre that was to play in a stadium with no one there 
And, you know, it's probably the first time those guys have done that uh, <laughs> ever. I mean, you go back to playing playing Pop Warner ball and, and you had 50 people there or, or something like that. So that, that's what this is about on Saturday. It's bringing some of the fun back. It's bringing uh, the fans back. Not a huge number, but I'm sure it's going to have – just just a real happy vibe to it in the stands and, and also on the field. Cam Taylor-Britt, he talked Monday about um, being able to get out there and dance with the fans a little bit. And, and, you know, he may not be able to do everything that he wants to do. He he said, I can't wait to take pictures and sign autographs. And, you know, that, that opportunity is coming. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Saturday. I, I hope there's some, some chances like that, but probably more more likely to, to be able to do that at the end of the summer um, we'll see that's that that's that's uh you know it, it's it's coming back so that's that's I think really exciting for the players to be able to interact um, you know even if it's from a few feet away with um, the young and, and old fans uh, who come to Memorial Stadium that that's that's a huge takeaway mm-hmm. from from this spring and you know how where where we're headed this week and, and a couple weeks from Saturday, of course, with the spring game. And, and you know, then also with Frost on Monday, um, a lot of talk about the development of the offense, some of the young players on offense. We heard a lot about some of the young receivers. Um, Samori Toure um, was, a, was a topic of conversation, the grad transfer from Montana, because he also talked to the media, but Frost talked about him. Uh, Taylor Britt talked about him. Um, it, it, it appears that he is um, as advertised and coming in as an FCS All-American and is going to be a versatile weapon for Nebraska offensively in 2021. Much needed, um, a guy who can play inside at the slot and then outside and give Nebraska some size and potentially stretch the field from that spot also. You know, what, what's kind of made a dent with me is there's always optimism, there's hope in spring, and that hope can turn into hype. Uh, be it a video released by Nebraska's social media or a fan seeing action during the spring football game. But what are some of the peers saying about the offense and between uh, Garrett Nelson uh, talking about the exceptional job that the offensive line and tight ends are doing blocking, uh, Mitch, uh, and, uh, (laughs) of course, Cam Taylor-Britt talking about the speed uh, of the offense overall and just, you know, just what they've been focusing on, that's some of the deep shots. You don't want to you don't want to overhype, but it, it sounds like all right, the offense two guys on defense that run around with their hair on fire saying, "Man, the offense is looking good." Are you are you taking that in 100% or is there still a little grain of salt with it here based on what yeah. some of the guys they're they're facing are saying? Yeah, it's a great, there's a grain of salt. There's a grain of salt for sure because it's been three years um, it, with this staff, and you've seen the offense go a lot of ways statistically in the wrong direction over those three years. And there's been defections, and there's been um, you know just a, just a, not the kind of development that you'd like to see at a lot of positions. So, yeah, you do take it with a grain of salt, but it's, it's better to hear than – um, those guys giving vanilla answers and you know or you know not saying anything at all. I do believe the offense is, is practicing well and is putting putting forth a good effort. And there are some signs, some reasons to believe that the op- offense is taking some steps forward this spring. You look at the running back spot, and I think there's reason to be concerned there too, yeah. because of course you have Marquis Step, the 
uh, important transfer from USC who was out um, with the injury, um, and you've had some other guys at that running back position who have missed at least a little bit of time, Ramir Johnson, Savion Morrison, um, Ronald Tompkins. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that was a huge question coming into the spring is what's going to happen at the running back spot. Maybe the biggest question in my mind, and I don't think they've answered that. They're happy with Gabe, Ir- Gabe Irvin, uh, the, the true freshman early enrollee. I think they're happy with Jacquez Yance, um, the walk-on who um, – you know, took a took a circuitous route to Nebraska um, and uh, out of Florida, and, and they're they're um, you know, I think they're happy with what Marvin Scott has given them in his time on the field. But it's not everybody out there, so some good and some bad for sure on the offensive side. Probably more good than bad. It's the place where I would be most likely to just believe everything I'm hearing about the offense and its growth is up front on the offensive line because I do think that they are getting some things going there with with uh, guys coming back with experience at four of the five starting spots. And I think some pretty good competition for that, that, uh, that top job at right guard. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic talking Nebraska spring football. Find Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. I want to go back to the running backs because it's not a, a foreign concept to have freshmen or redshirt freshmen play in the Big Ten, or even play at Nebraska. There's been a, a lot of examples guys have performed because they're good enough to do so. Irvin may be one of those guys, but the the point is this. You've recruited a lot of kids, either out of JUCO or out of high school, and mm-hmm. they, they've just not been available. It's not that they're probably not talented. I think they're all probably really talented. They've just not been mm-hmm. able to develop because they've not been on the field, either due to injury or due to COVID. So how do you... How do you speed that up? And, and I don't know if you can, because there's got to be a certain trust level, Mitch, don't you think, if you're Ryan Held and the offense to, to turn it over to a young guy? Or you got to also be patient, don't you, with guys that have been on campus? Ramir Johnson, right? I mean, he's been here a while, yeah. but right. uh, there's there's talent enough to, to believe he can do it, yet you're you're not seeing it. Yeah, yet. It, it could happen, but that's that's part of the, the frustration, I think, with some Nebraska fans is you got all these running backs, but you, you've – You've either gone to the transfer portal, the JUCO, or you're leaning on a freshman right now. Yeah, I don't know if, if Ramir is is the answer as a, an every-down guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's a change-of-pace runner. And, you know, they say he's put on some weight this year, but he hasn't been been available for all, all of the spring, or I don't know how much of the spring. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he's out there on Saturday and, and how he looks, um, because he is the most experienced of the backs. Uh, in a Nebraska uniform, but but you're, that that is why they brought in Marquis Step. They brought in Marquis Step um, w- with the thought that hey, uh, we've got four first and second year players in the program who haven't shown yet that they can be the workhorse at a Big Ten level. So we need to go get somebody who can take the the heat off of those guys while they develop, and then you look at that group and you try to find somebody among those four and throw Gabe Irvin in there, make him five, who yeah, make them six, mm-hmm. who can who can develop into a number two guy while Marquis Step, you rely on his experience, playing a couple years in the Pac-12, um, being a legit um, high-level recruit a couple of three years ago out of Indianapolis. He, he has the pedigree and the experience and the size seemingly to be able to do it, and then he gets here and he's got an injury that – was not fully diagnosed in his time at SC, and he's got to have surgery, and he's out for the whole spring, and he's going to be out seemingly for at least part of the summer. Uh, 
Um, we, we don't know when in the summer he's back, but um, sometime before the end of July when they, when they lace it up and start preseason camp would be optimal because you need him to be 100% right then. This time that he's lost, and he's out there at practice, so he was there last Wednesday when, when we watched, but um, taking mental reps, seeming to do all the right things, but not able to take hits, obviously not able to um, you know, do the physical things. So that's, that's, that's a huge headline this spring is what's, what's happened with Marquis Stepp because he, to me, was the key to the whole thing working at running back. And if you get him back at the start of August and everything's good and he can be the guy to lean on going into the season, then you dodged a bullet. But if not, then it's, um, you know, it's a situation where you're relying on your quarterbacks to run the ball too much. That leads to turnovers. It leads to you know potential injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets you right back into a situation that has caused problems for Nebraska at times over these last three seasons. Well, and you need you need that run game to help your quarterback and help your passing game. I mean, it's all a, a big domino train right now, and and you need a back or two to emerge. Mitch, I've got about twenty seconds. Uh, your review of your Royals here so far through uh, a few games. Are you happy as a Royals fan? I uh, didn't like what I saw last night. We need to keep the ball in the ballpark against those angels. So hoping for better, better, uh, better results tonight. Not super thrilled with the starting pitching, but yeah, some good young players, um, some good bullpen work, and uh, you know I think it can be a fun summer. Well, Mitch, we'll catch up again. We'll see you Saturday, and thanks for jumping on with us today. All right, thanks, Chris. All right, Mitch Sherman joined us, and he's from the Athletic. New head coach of Lincoln Southwest girls basketball, Tim Berta, up next. Uh, We'll check in with Coach Kaczynski here in an hour. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We welcome in the uh, new head coach for Lincoln Southwest girls basketball. We say hi to Tim Berta. You've heard Tim do some games with me. Uh, over the years on ESPN and KFOR, Coach Berda, Timmy B. Sir, congratulations to you on uh, being named head coach. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, it's, it's been a good day, so um, I appreciate the kind words, and, and we're excited to get going. Well, uh, I'm so happy for you personally, and uh, I've always enjoyed watching uh, all, all high school action here in the capital city and beyond, but really, uh, all, you know, especially enjoy Southwest and, and Coach Rump and, and you and him for the last five years, and, and now you get a chance to, to be the, the head man again. And I know you, you coached uh, Wil- with uh, Wilbur Claytonia for 17 years before coming to Lincoln. And talk to me a little bit about what it means to you, uh, getting the nod to be the head coach and also – you know, kind of your principles, your philosophy. I mean, folks who, who've played for you know you, but uh, fans that have watched uh, are, are, are curious, I'm sure, to, uh, to know what, what Coach Baird is all about. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, you, know you spent 17, 17 years at Wilbur Claytonia and, and uh, with the boys, and, and, and we had, I had some great kids to work with. I got some, some kids that really got into uh, buying into what we did and things like that, and in turn – you know, it was more about basketball than anything else, Chris. It was about, uh, you know, building young men and, and being good dads and, and being good husbands and being good workers and things like that. So uh, there's a lot of coaches out in the world that uh, have fallen under our tree, which is kind of neat to see um, 
but moving forward, uh, you know, having daughters, I coached, uh, you know, girls as they grew up. Um, and then, you know, obviously I gave up coaching uh, in order to just be dad. So mm-hmm. I didn't miss all the things my kids did. And that's why I quit coaching the boys, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to get uh, on as an assistant at Southwest. And uh, we had, you know, a, a great five years the past, the, the past five with Coach Rump. And uh, he's been very gracious about what he allowed me to do and things like that. Uh, uh, so it's just a blessing for me to be able to have the opportunity to, to follow in his footsteps and move forward. And, and, and you talked about, you know, what are people going to see? Uh, my hope would be. Uh, some kids that are, are, are really competitive, kids that play hard. Uh, defense is going to be a big priority for us. Um, you know, in, in the girls' game, uh, the last few years, Coach Rump has totally turned the defense over to me, and, and our goal was to like, make life miserable for, for our opponents and, and make them uh, very uncomfortable. So if you can do that, uh, it gives you a great chance to be successful. Uh, effort and energy are two things that you can always bring to the gym. Your jump shot doesn't always end up in the bag. Uh, so with that said, if you can defend, uh, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. New head coach for Lincoln Southwest Girls Basketball, Tim Berta with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Announcement today as uh, Southwest, uh, a very high-level program. Uh, they know PBA in March. They have a state championship uh, to their name. Obviously, you were part of that, Coach Berta. So defense is, is so key, and the, the level of basketball is at such a high level now for, for girls' basketball, not only in the city but in the state. And how much fun has that been to have been, to have been a part of? And now, uh, again, it's going to be uh, your, your chance to, 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 to lead it. Uh, it's, it's been great to be part of it, honestly, Chris. You know, we've, we, you know, we have a great coaching staff over at Southwest. You know, I would put Southwest in the top five jobs in the state. Mm-hmm. And to be able to be in charge of that program, uh, knowing uh, what's happened the last five years. Now, um, you know, we've set the bar pretty high. So, you know, with that said, well, there's some expectations that come with that. However, we're not going to measure things on, on how many games we win and, and how many championships we win and things like that. It's, it's more about the process. And we want kids to, to have fun and have an enjoyable experience. And if we do the things that I talked about a little bit ago, success and wins will come with that. Um, we, we want our kids to, to have a great work ethic and, and be able to enjoy um, what they're doing on the court, but also enjoy the whole experience and, and being teammates and, and things like that. So uh, it, it's one of those things that, that basketball, the X and O part of it is just a little part of it. You know, we want to try and do the same thing that I did with the boys and, and have them be – be good employees and be good moms and be good wives mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, you know, the things that you would hope um, they would do anyway, we just want to try and reiterate those things for them and, and make it an enjoyable experience for them. Tim Berda is with us, head coach, Lincoln Southwest Girls Basketball, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Berda named uh, head coach today and uh, defense, uh, the process, and, uh, of course, uh, high-level development and kids kids are so immersed coach in in the off season the kids don't get really downtime uh, anymore and they they love playing a lot of different sports and they love doing basketball camps during the summer and uh that's that's not new but it's it's continuing to grow how's that aspect been for you 
Well, we have a real unique uh, situation over at Southwest with how many multi-sport athletes we have. If you look back over the last five years, we have so many kids that have been high-level athletes, not necessarily great basketball players in our program, uh, but really competitive-edged kids. Um, and, and honestly, across the board, uh, you, you know, I'll take the, the track program right now is, is super high-level and the soccer program is playing an outstanding. They're having a great spring. And if you look at the rosters of those two things, you see a lot of basketball kids infused into both of those programs. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we don't probably put the demands on our – and won't put the demands on our basketball kids to spend all spring, all summer, all fall working on their skills and being in the gym. Um, you know, we, we try and – and maximize the time that we have in the summer uh, and compact things into June from a school standpoint. We have some kids that still play some travel basketball and some AAU basketball in the summer and, and get some good exposure. But with, with the, the amount of time that kids have to be kids, you know, in, in July, I want them to be volleyball kids. I want them to go on vacation. I want them to, to go to the lake um, and do those things. And then when, when fall rolls around, uh, I would rather have our kids be uh, be playing golf, be playing volleyball, be running cross country, rather than wanting to spend time in the gym. They find ways to get shots up and do things and uh, and things like that. And historically, if you look back at at our kids and at the start of our seasons, we typically start a little slower than than most groups because we don't spend a ton of time in the fall in the gym. Our kids are dedicated enough that they'll find some time to go get some shots up and get some repetitions, um, but we're not going to demand that they do that. We would rather have them involved in other sports uh, along with the basketball experience. Tim Barrett is with us, head coach, Southwest Girls Basketball, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, about 15 seconds. How many pars this summer and how many fish are you going to catch? Uh, pars probably be hard to come by. I'm going to give uh, – give every chance I can to try and catch as many fish as I can. I'm just trying to get you to go out to the lake with me and, and, and see what we can do, my man. Wait, well, no, we'll, we'll catch some fish. I may bring some dynamite, kidding, of course, and, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll swing the clubs. Uh, Coach Barrett, Timmy, you're, you're awesome, man. We're so happy hey. for you here, and congrats to you and, and much, much success. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it. Final words is just remember, culture always wins. Love it. Tim Barrett with us on Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Quick hour, great stuff from Mitch Sherman and uh, Coach Tim Berda of Southwest. Good to get caught up with him. Jacob Bedilla is going to join us. We'll hit some volleyball. Huskers ready to roll on Thursday. Spring football. Thoughts from Jacob. The uh, Husker News of the Day, A.J. Morris is going to be visiting Nebraska May 1st for the spring game. He's got a seat, and he'll be here on his own dime, but uh, that is the quarterback. That's the guy on Nebraska's board they want to get for 2022. And uh, pretty awesome film, not to overhype, but he's a high-level kid out of Atlanta, and you got to keep going after them quarterbacks. Encouraging yesterday what we heard from Coach Frost on just where the, the backup spot was at quarterback Harburg. Got some real nice uh, physical tools. 
and uh, the the college game, he'll he'll get that down mentally. As it obviously a transition, right? You go from high school to college; it's a different ball game. And then uh, a good day of throwing, it sounds like from uh, from Smothers, and that's what it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait for you as a Nebraska fan base, the four thousand that got the seats or will get the seats to go check out that live practice. And I'm I'm anxious to get going too. We we uh, don't have any baseball this weekend, so I'm going to be able to go check that out and. Uh, excited about it. What's going to happen with uh, Nebraska? Some thoughts on Nebraska basketball. Also from Jacob Padilla with a couple of different moves. Is Doc going to stay put or is he going to head to UTEP for uh, the sequel? Did awesome at UTEP the first time he was down there. So we'll find that out. Zagorowski is off to the uh, NBA. Uh, Creighton Stud and of course St. Thomas declaring where he is going. Loyola, Chicago. So Jacob will get us uh, all sorts of caught up. Rick Kaczynski with us. We'll talk to Kaz uh, about, you know, that meeting room seven years ago when the decision was made that culminated in Bo walking out with the cat because that spring game was super memorable where uh, Bo shows up. You got Butch and Amir flanked to the left and to the right, and here comes Bo with the, uh, the old house cat. The kitty, and uh, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, Damon, are you a cat guy or a dog guy? And I'm not trying to to start a fight here or pick sides. I've I've laid out my allergies. Uh, cats are cool. They're smart. Cranax. Every time I go, I won't say pass out. Every time I go over to Cranax house, my Saturday morning partner, he had you know a cat, and he'd like, dude, look at my cat, and it it do all these sorts of agility drills. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's sweet. My eyes and throat are swollen. Can you take your cat away, please? Uh, but I'm a dog guy. As an owner of both a dog and a cat currently. They get along. They do not get along. They hate each other. They, they do hate each other, but it's kind of cute. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm more of a cat guy at heart. I just, A, they're a little bit lower. Were you that influenced by Austin Powers? <laughs> they're lower Mr. maintenance. Bigglesworth. <laughs> the Bigglesworth. They're cute when they like sit up on their lap and purr. Like, I don't know. Dogs are, I, I love dogs, but sometimes they... They get a little too needy for me. I like when a cat can just go do its own thing. Gertie the German Shepherd is kind of a weirdo. I mean, like, she's always by your side, but then when she wants your pillow, she ignores you. Roz, my Labradoodle, needs to go on a weight loss program, but she's my, my snuggler, and she always is trying to steal food, which is kind of funny unless it's your ribeye. We'll say hi to Jacob Padilla, Coach Kaczynski, Hour 2, Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Coming up, we'll uh, have Barry Alvarez with us tomorrow. Excited to talk with uh, B.A. as he is set to enjoy, enjoy some golf and 
retirement time. This guy's all over it. Football, basketball, volleyball. We welcome in Jacob Padilla from HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, been busy and uh, a lot to get to with you. How's your uh, Tuesday going, man? Thanks for the time. Uh, it's going pretty well. I'm just uh, working my way through what we heard from Coach John Cook and Warren Stiverance today as they're getting ready for the tournament uh, to begin here. You know, they are going to try and lock in Thursday. They're in the bubble up in Omaha. And I want to start off with uh, the, the rust factor. And it's hard for me to believe John Cook teams get rusty because of how tuned in they are. Their chemistry is great. Their attention to details phenomenal. Their training is so high level. They're champions. And uh, they're working on uh, on another championship. But 19 days in this crazy year, this weird season, without a match, is that a concern for, should it be a concern for Nebraska volleyball fans? Oh, I mean, it's definitely. Um, they're so I think John Cook talked about uh, has talked about in the past about the way that he trains his team and the uh, the level of competition that goes on within their own gym is as high or higher than anything they face on match day. So um, I think from that perspective, they're, they're, they've been playing against good competition within their own practices. They've been going hard, but it's not the same thing. And the players have said that, like just the feelings, the stresses, um, it's kind of pressure, everything that goes into a match is different than practice, no matter how hard you're practicing or how, how good the players you're practicing with and against are. Um, so there's, and John Cook himself said, he is definitely worried about that. Um, but I think he's doing everything he can to minimize uh, the, the impact of that and to keep them ready without um, burning them out and um, pushing them too hard over the last two and a half weeks here as they've uh, gotten ready to head up to Omaha. That's a fine line, but he's uh, a pro at it, uh, Jacob, with, with getting his, his team ready. As you look at Nebraska, their strengths, uh, they're so good uh, defensively. I mean, that's where they want to hang their hat. They're nice uh, when they get into system offensively. But as you look forward here, with this tournament is as different as it is, you know, what do you like about this volleyball team as they head into to the postseason? Yeah, definitely uh, like the, the way that they've been able to kind of mix up their offense this year a little bit more and keep those middle blockers involved. Lauren Stiverance is hitting at a ridiculous level right now, and they're getting her the ball more than ever before. And Kayla Caffey is putting up some good numbers as well as that second middle blocker. So it isn't a case where they're just feeding a Michaela Fecky um, all game long and riding her. It's mm-hmm. They've been able to spread out the offense a little bit more, and they're getting more creative with what they're trying to do in terms of who they're setting and when, um, even without necessarily a perfect pass where they're in, in system um, uh, without uh, having to move around a little bit. So um, that's one thing. I think they, they have improved quite a bit in terms of passing and serving from where they were last year. I think that's ultimately what cost them in the tournament last year where they, they fell short uh, in the uh, to Wisconsin there in the lead eight. 
um, because they just didn't serve tough enough and they weren't able to pass Wisconsin well enough to, to give themselves a chance. And this year, I think they've been better at it, but they haven't been consistent necessarily. And I think that's going to be ultimately the key. Can they sustain a high level of passing and serving that will allow their athletes to go out there and do what they do best? Because ultimately, all the pieces don't really fit together if you can't do that first. If you can't put the pressure on the other team, then the ball's going to be coming back at you 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And if you can't handle the ball coming your way and get it to where it needs to go, then it's hard to get good attacks going the other way. So that, that's John Cook always says, um, serve and pass game is the most important thing. And that uh, certainly has been the case for Nebraska. It's, a, it's, a, it's part of the game they've excelled in in the past um, and why they've had so much success leading up to last year. And it was why they, they fell short last year. So um, that's, I think, the part of the game that you're going to have to be watching closely here to um, get a feeling whether or not this team can make a deep run this year. Jacob Bedill is with us. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Husker Volleyball, NCAA Tournament. They're in the bubble. It's been wacky and weird, and it was not a, uh, a happy review towards the end of last week, but things have been rectified sort of kind of and you just, you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you're dealing with you're controlling jacob what you can control and when it comes to matchups and and set up with nebraska who who are they who are some of the top teams i mean they faced many obviously in the big 10 but from a matchup standpoint we talk about that in the ncaa tournament for basketball with volleyball who are some some matchup potentials here for nebraska that they they match up well against who are some some tough asks for this team even though they're the fifth seed overall yes the the tough part about this season is we haven't seen nebraska tested more than twice all year really right um even the the lower to mid-level teams in the big 10 are better than a lot of the teams you'd face in other conferences Mm -hmm. and um a lot of teams they would have faced in the non-conference but they're not a true test um so they they played Minnesota and got, and split the series. They played Ohio State and split the series. So those are the only two ranked teams they played all year. Um, so it's kind of hard to get a feel for uh, what what Nebraska really is, what their ceiling is, because we didn't get to see them play against Wisconsin. We didn't get to see them play against Penn State. We didn't see them against Purdue this year. So um, Nebraska is kind of going in as a bit of a wild card, I think, just because of that. Um, so... It's hard to know, like necessarily good matchups, bad matchups. I will say, Wisconsin, I think, is a bad matchup for everybody, sure. and that's who um, they'd have to um, to get through to make it to the, the, the championship game. Mm-hmm. So, um, if they get to that point, then um, I'd say that's a tough matchup. But that would be the case for everybody. Doesn't mean they can't beat them, and it will be interesting if seedings hold. They'll get Baylor um, in the the next round in the. Um, Sweet 16 there, and that is a team that isn't as good as they were last year, but they do have last year's National Player of the Year and Yosiana Presley, an outstanding outside hitter, um, and she, she is tough to deal with. So um, that that would be interesting to see how they handle a player as dynamic as she is, and and then you've got either Texas or Penn State most likely in, in the round after that, um, and so. Both of those should be tough matches that would um, that we could learn a lot from um, uh, about Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So 
it's uh, I kind of broke down their potential path, mm-hmm. um, and, and my padding stats column last week. Um, so listeners kind of um, want to, they can go back and kind of trace through the potential um, opponents that Nebraska would face if they were to go all the way and kind of see the, the path, <laughs> the, the journey they make to earning uh, a national title this year. Find uh, that story, uh, com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. We're talking Husker Volleyball here on Hale Varsity Radio. Jacob, going to switch to some uh, some spring football. And where are you at right now? Are you, are you feeling better on the offense based on what you're hearing? Uh, and, I, and I'm kind of reading off of uh, a Garrett Nelson, a Cam Taylor Britt, who – they don't have to be as glowing, but they but they have been very complimentary. You're worried about the running back spot, concerned about the backup quarterback. We'll get to some hoops here in a minute, but just your overall gauge halfway through spring ball. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. I didn't even get to go down and see the the open practice, and I know they didn't really show much mm-hmm. beyond special teams, even in that thirty thirty five minutes, whatever um, people got to see. It, it's just so hard to to know going off the quotes in the spring here. Um, it's going to be something where maybe if we see something in in the spring game, um, then I'll start to feel one way or the other mm-hmm. about kind of the progress the offense is making. I, I'm, otherwise, I'm just kind of where I was coming in the spring where it's they, there are some pieces that they've got the chance there to take a step forward, but until they do it, it's hard to have confidence that it's happened. Um, so I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode mm-hmm. on, on the offense for sure. Um, and that's just kind of, I think, where you have to be at this point with this program, uh, just based on the lack of uh, the progress, consist- consistent, sustained, uh, up- upward trajectory. We haven't seen that yet. Um, we've seen some improvement in some areas, but it hasn't come together to produce the kind of results that um, the program needs. So. Um, like I said, kind of wait-and-see mode. Uh, we'll see kind of what they look like at the end of the spring and then um, heading into fall camp. Do you have uh, decent faith with the, the defense continuing progress? And, and I, I feel like, okay, the defense can kind of turn it loose because, A, you've got some super seniors back, but, B, guys have been in system here for a number of years. And uh, I really like what I – what I see and hear from the secondary, you got a guy like Cam Taylor Britt and JoJo, of course, those are two different level guys. And you've got some experience on the defensive line that you feel good about or uh, know that, look, there's been some some film out there on, yeah, you can stop the run. That's great. The, the pass rush question still out there. But, you know, the defense could be a strength and they could they could showcase a little bit here, obviously, with the spring game or even Saturday's open practice. But uh, defensively here, are you worried about the depth at all with the defense? Not really. Um, I, I think they've got some, some solid depth um, at a lot of places. Obviously, inside linebacker, you mm-hmm. feel really good about the group they've got there. Um, even with Will Honus out for the spring, for the, or limited at least, mm-hmm. you've got Luke Reimer, you've got Chris Galarovic coming in. Um, you've got Nick Henrich. You can put him wherever you feel like he can help you most. Um, and then I think they've got some, some young guys and some quality walk-ons, too, in that group behind them. So that, that position you feel good about. I think safeties with those two seniors coming back, plus the young guys like Noah Pulla-Gates and Miles Farmer looking to make a push and um, see the field a little bit more. you got Isaac Gifford, um, who was able to get on the field a little bit last year as a true freshman. 
Um, you feel like you got some bodies there that have a lot of potential, and you got the experience there. And then cornerbacks kind of the same thing. You, you still got to um, prove a little bit there with opposite Cam Taylor Britt with um, replacing DiCaprio Boodle. But uh, Braxton Clark was a guy that was set to to play quite a bit last year before he got hurt. Um, uh, Quentin Newsom's a guy that's played a lot the last couple of years that the, they feel good about. And then you've got some younger guys there that um, they brought in here and were high on in the recruiting process that will have a chance to kind of show whether or not they can be counted on. So, um, and then obviously up front they got they got a lot of guys, and um, I think you're even hearing some good things about the newcomers and a guy like Ruquan Buckley who probably won't make an impact this year, but um, looks like a guy that is going to be a uh, part of that defensive line picture moving forward. So. I feel like the depth is pretty good there. I think that the biggest question is that one that you identified is, all right, can they make the next leap in terms of producing a pass rush? And whether that's individual improvement, whether it's scheme uh, tweaks, where you, I feel like a guy like George Doman could potentially be more effective in that uh, uh, role if you don't necessarily need him to drop back in coverage quite as much. Maybe you uh, put another DB on the field as opposed to kind of dropping him back as that nickel. Um, as a nickel guy and having him pin his ears back a little bit more. Um, there are just some different ways they could go, I think, with that. But that's, I think, the biggest key for this defense making a leap is finding a way to produce that pass rush. Jacob, I've got about 90 seconds. Uh, quick take on Kurt Joseph, uh, strength coach, and, of course, Nate uh, Lenzer uh, as the, the new assistant coach. Yeah, I mean, they come into the program with uh, kind of that NBA pedigree, and Lenzer's a guy that Hoiberg knows very well, um, worked together two previous stops, and he knows what he's able to do in terms of relating to and developing players. Um, and then Kurt Joseph, uh, I would say that they got some of the, um, the the quotes from the players that he's worked with that spoke very highly of the work that he's done, and he's got a lot of experience at different, different levels, different stops of putting together a strength and conditioning program and really executing it and uh, getting the, the program stronger, so... I think we're just continuing to see Hoiberg shape this program, taking the direction that he wants it to go and and building it up to where he sees um, this program getting to. 30 seconds, St. Thomas off to Loyola, Chicago. You have uh, Carter Glenn off to Nebraska Westland. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good landing spot for for St. I think he's got a chance to go really be an impact player at that level. And Drew Valentine, that made that offer the day that he got promoted to the head coach. So that kind of shows you how, what he thought of Saint and mm-hmm. the priority he made him. Um, so great for Saint. And then Carter is a, uh, I'm a huge fan of Carter Glenn's game. And I, it'll be cool to see him stay home in Lincoln and um, put on a show there for Wesleyan because they certainly know how to play in transition, push the ball ahead and, uh, play really fun basketball. They are they are good stuff. And Carter's uh, been awesome to cover St. Thomas big time, and that's awesome. And uh, both uh, kids getting to go play uh, college ball. We will uh, see you soon, Jacob. Thanks for jumping on with us and spending a few minutes talking some hoops, some volleyball, some football. Have a have a good rest of your week. Thanks so much. Same to you. Always enjoy it. All right, there he is, Jacob Padilla, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Got your volleyball fix. Some thoughts on Husker Hoops and Spring Ball. Coach Kaz, Rick Kaczynski, up next. How did that uh, infamous cat moment happen seven years ago? He's in his 30s. 
but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More spring football thoughts. We welcome in the coach. Rick Kaczynski with this and Kaz, how was the weekend? What do you know? Great weekend, man. Um, thanks for having me on again, but I uh, had a little track action here um, over in Camden, South Carolina. So this is uh, this is a fast state, Schmidt. So, uh, yeah, definitely some 10-year-olds that I'd keep my eye on here. Well, I'll send you a video of the 10-year-old 100. Okay. Uh, it, it's 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 sick. It's scary. It's scary. I think there's some 10-year-olds in the state here that might have faster 40 times than uh, entire receiver crews in, in half of the Big Ten, I think. so. Well, that's a heads up. Kaz, were you a track guy at all? No, not baseball. We, we're football, basketball, and baseball, and, and – uh, a lot of beer drinking in between those uh, those three sports there, Schmitty. That's the way to do it. Rick Kaczynski with us, Hail Varsity Radio, man. And, Kaz, I got I to gotta ask you. I'm going to take you back seven years because yesterday, seven years ago to the day, was the, the infamous uh, spring game where Bo came out with the cat. <laughs> what do you remember? It's been seven years. It's been seven years. <laughs> 20, 2014. What do you remember about that whole uh, that whole experience? I'm not a cat guy. I'm a dog guy, but <laughs> but it was pretty cool to to see the reaction with the whole uh, uh, the the, uh, the 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 Twitter avatar came to life with the the Simba moment. Well, I can take you. You know, I, I can remember that vividly. I, I can, I can see myself sitting in the in the staff room. I I sat right next to Bo, and uh, but also I can remember, you know, just that that spring after the Gator Bowl, mm-hmm. feeling good about ourselves. Had a really good spring. Had some, you know, it was really the first time uh, in three years in the three years that I was there that I had a group of guys coming back that you felt really good about. Mm. And uh, so just that whole entire spring, you know, a lot of positive vibes. And uh, I remember having that having that meeting and Bo's like, yeah, asking people if he knows any, if we know anybody that has a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Bo, Bo sometimes would say some things that were just a little bit outlandish, but you had to take everything he said serious. And then... He's like, yeah, I found a cat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a cat out of the tunnel in the spring game. And then, you know, JP and I kind of looked at each other, and you know, we envisioned uh, the PETA press conference after the spring game and the protest on Sunday morning happening. So we just talked through all those scenarios of what possibly could go wrong, and. Uh, yeah, Bo was just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. What do you guys think? And then we just laughed. And really, up until it happened, we weren't quite sure if it was going to go down. And then when it went down, it was just uh, it was a good deal. Yeah, you know, those spring games pre-COVID, you know, they kind of get uh, a little bit bland. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we tried to spice some things up. And I think I think we did a pretty good job in 14 doing that especially leading off with the cat. So, yeah, good good memories, man. Good times. So how did he how did he just throw it out there? Was it uh, 
kind of a known topic around the office. I don't know what you guys paid attention to and not, you know, out there in social media, but the the sweater video with him and the and the cat, you know, the faux Polini thing. And, and then for him to, to take it a step further and, hey, dude, I need a cat. <laughs> Someone get me a yeah, cat. Yeah, that, was, that, was, pretty that good. was the cat. That was the catalyst. Yeah, that, that of course, was the catalyst behind it. Uh-huh. Um, the cat photo. And then I think whoever <laughs> Faux Polini was, you know, him and Bo kind of like had a, uh, a mutual respect and <laughs> Twitter friendship, if that's what you'd call it. So, uh, yeah, I think it was just Bo's attempt. Like, hey, man, you know, we won a lot of games. We've done a lot of positive things. We won the bowl game. You know, we're not we're not going to – you know, you got to remember, you know, a couple months earlier, man, after that Iowa game and mm-hmm. the week – it wasn't even after, you know, the Iowa week. It was, it was after that Penn State game and, you know, the previous administration um, almost were, like, scowled that we actually – beat Penn State on the road, and when, when we saw that I-Course and his clan were disappointed that we won, you know, it, things things got a little bit tight, you know, the players saw it, that Iowa week was tough, and then, you know, the press conference, and not, you know, you got, mm-hmm. I think we had four guys on campus visiting that weekend, and you don't know if you got a job or not, and um, so after, after that, after Bo signed, uh, you know, we got the endorsement, we got our rollovers and won the bowl game. You know, things were, you know, you felt pretty good. So I think Bo was trying to, you know, embrace embrace everything and uh, be positive about it. And, and our, we felt we had a really good football team. You know, we were still pretty young in some spots, but we felt really, really good about, about where we were going in the future. So, uh, you know, I think you know, the, the catalyst, like you said, and like we talked about was the faux Fellini, but it was just a way to, you know, kind of make people laugh, kind of, kind of let the guard down and, Hey man, this is, this is, uh, this is something we should be enjoying in the state of Nebraska. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of the conversations, you know, lead, leading up to that spring game and, and leading up to, up to spring ball, man, we, you know, I think if it was a, it was a really good time. It was probably the best time, uh, coaching at, at Nebraska that, that that entire period so yeah we really we really enjoyed it but you know it wasn't nothing too scientific or thought out <laughs> it was you know Bo probably on a jog by himself saying you know what I'm gonna hold a cat out <laughs> coming out of the tunnel and that's just kind of how it happened get me a cat Rick Kaczynski is with us Hale Varsity Radio Kaz tell me the the, the trick to getting a team that's even keel uh, and can play consistent ball. You're not playing up to an Ohio – well, you're trying to play up to an Ohio State, but you're not, you're not yo-yoing between, all right, this is a, a monster game and, all right, we should kill this team, playing down to your competition. How do you, uh, how do you go to work on that uh, in a football program specifically uh, with, with your group of guys on the defensive line? And just as a group as a whole, how do you get that, that magic consistency uh, to, to, to just kind of go out and dominate each week? Well, I, I think, you know, collectively it, it starts with the head coach. And, you know, Bo was intense whether, you know, we were playing um, – 
you know, Idaho State mm-hmm. or Wisconsin or Michigan or Iowa. It was the same. And uh, he, he ex- expected and, and demanded the same detail and preparation going into it, but also individually as a coach to a player, you're always working on, you're always working on your craft. And what you're always trying to do, you point out the good, but you also point out, you you point out the wrong and what you can do better because even though you might've been successful against this guy from this team, that's not going to work against the big dogs. That's not going to work against an All-American, you know, right tackle from Wisconsin. Yeah, that's not going to work against Michigan. It's not going to work against Penn State. So you're constantly, you know, you're coaching that craft and you're coaching that individual to to be the best he can possibly be and show them, like, hey, listen, I see you on a different level, so I'm going to demand way more out of you than you're going to demand yourself. And and part of that too, Schmitty, that process is becoming a mature player and gaining valuable experience you know you're not going to get that as a as a freshman uh or a redshirt freshman coming here that that takes that takes time uh that doesn't happen overnight and i think a big part of it too is how guys are handling their themselves off the field you know there's a there's a there's a direct correlation uh with that i i never have coached a a player who was a clown off the field that they might have been good, but they could have been great. And they, they might have been great, and they, but they could have been all Americans if they prepared and they took care of business off the field. So, uh, yeah, there's just a lot that goes in. There's a lot that goes into that. But I think a lot of it is up to the individual and how they prepare and how you're coaching and demanding from the individual. And then that's just part of that process you know the monotony the yeah the getting bored with fundamentals and the muscle memory and all those things so um so that's that's a big part of it that, that's that's playing and, and and coaching college football right there and and when you do those things and you never master it mm-hmm. but when you strive for that when you're in those tough situations when you're down three or it's tied or you got to get a stop you got to get the ball back you know, you just do what you do in practice. And I was talking to somebody earlier today, and, and you got to be demanding in practice. You know, there's no easy practice days. And there's no rep off. And, you know, you see me coach, man. you got to coach every single rep because every single rep you are creating a habit. And whether it's good or bad, you're creating a habit. So, you know, that's, that's on the coach, but it's also on the individual player. Um, and collectively the group to hold each other accountable. And if you got to grab a guy by the face mask, you know, if you got to kick a guy off the field, you got to kick a guy off the meeting room, out of the meeting room, you know, you got to do what you got to do to understand the importance of a hundred other guys counting on you to do your job and to do it correctly. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, coach at Nebraska and Iowa. Coach, it's going to be a little different Saturday, uh, weather permitting, with Nebraska having an open practice. Uh, 4,000 fans will, will get a chance to check it out. What was your take? Did you guys have open practice at Notre Dame? Did you have it at Iowa? Uh, I know T.O. had it at Nebraska. This is years and years ago. 
but it's it's it can be closed off and access is really appreciated and, and you know uh, enjoyed by the media. But the fans, it's almost they get kind of like a mini spring game on Saturday. I know the kids are really excited for it. Yeah, we did it. Uh, you know, pretty much everywhere I had I've been, uh, we we did things similar to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Notre Dame. They were my last couple of years. They were expanding the stadium, so we had a couple spring games. So we we went over to the lacrosse field, and just because, just like Nebraska, the the fan base and the interest in the program um, to to accommodate the fans. So we had a scrimmage and then two spring games mm-hmm. in three consecutive weekends. So uh, got about thirty six fans 36,000 fans total over those three weeks so you know it was uh, it was it was cool man you know as a player and a coach you enjoy that you really don't do anything different and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio back to you it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery more with Rick Kaczynski talking open practices here this spring for Nebraska I think sometimes it's good also, you know, not necessarily 4,000 fans, but but we thought it was good, you know, at Notre Dame, at Iowa, to, to get these kids in front of some people in the stands, not just in, you know, not just the spring game. You got a lot of redshirt guys, a lot of true freshmen. You have a lot of guys that have never played in front of people, and and um, it's kind of an introduction um you're not in the capacity, obviously, that you'll see on a on a Saturday in the fall, but it gives you an idea on you know how to how to get ready in that locker room. You know the time that you're going to have, how you're going to handle yourself. Don't exert all that energy before you come out to the field. And you know you know kind of really what you have to learn is how to block all those things out. So I, I, it's great for the fans, obviously. Um, I, I just I I don't know you know what. Uh, what you, why you wouldn't benefit from doing that all the time. So, uh, I mean, hey, whether you were there, Schmitty, or you know, anybody else, I, I coached, I coached mm-hmm. the same. If you're worried about, if you're worried about who's, uh, who's around you and how you're coaching and playing, then you're not doing something right. So uh, I, think, I think that's the, that's the approach that, that most guys take, and especially the, the more mature guys on the team, the experienced guys, and that's definitely all the guys I coached with. That was that was their take. You know, maybe maybe watch those. Uh, you know, a couple of those choice words you got to be careful with. But other <laughs> other than that, you know, you know your your surroundings are your surroundings, and you know you shouldn't change because because uh, people are watching you. Kaz, I want to I want a reality show. You know, Kaz mic'd up. I wish we could have got Kaz mic'd up. Oh gosh, definitely would think, have been. Think about uh, the NFL films, channels. right? Oh yeah, yeah premium for sure. It would have, it would have, it would have, it would have been on, especially in my, early, especially in my. Early, I got, I, I calmed down. I got, I was a little bit laid back at uh, by the time I got to Nebraska. I didn't have to, I didn't have to run around like a raving lunatic. But uh, <laughs> you know, when you're 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 a young coach, man. You know you're. You know, you're so worried about getting the job done and and um, you know doing it right and 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 wondering if you're doing it right and questioning what you're doing, mm-hmm. if it's the correct thing that you know you, know, you run around like a nut sometimes. And uh, but uh, yeah, by the time I got to Nebraska, I, you know, there's different different ways, different styles, and you got to you got to adapt mm-hmm. with the climate, you got to adapt with the kids. So 
But, yeah, I would definitely – what you'd want to do, especially on game day, get uh, get on the headsets. There's some uh, interesting and funny funny conversations going on. Um, I think me and Papuchas were talking about uh, TD Ameritrade and a couple people I know. I think it was right the last play of the Northwestern game. We were talking about what professions – Thing in 2013, you know what we what else we could do for a living? His Be- connections, my connections. Before the hail mary, things. And, <laughs> yeah, and then you know just uh, getting fired, and then all the things that all of a sudden you take the headsets off, <laughs> and uh, you know you, you go you go grab a coach to go vet, and AJP, you, you turn your headset off, you take the headphones off, and say all the things that you say you're going to say to Bo on Sunday and I'm done, I'm done, I'm leaving forget this place, forget Bo uh, I'm tired, I'm not listening to this and then then Sunday comes around and hey boss, how we doing good job shifts, so, that's, that's pretty uh, yeah, good it's, uh, yeah, it's some, it's, some, it's some funny stuff man, it's some, it's some funny stuff but I'll tell you, there's times it, it gets quiet, yeah, everybody's Everybody's got the the play call on first and ten, mm-hmm. but when it's fourth and one, it gets real, real quiet on them headsets, man. <laughs> real quiet. I can only imagine, and I was told this by Coach Donardo and Coach Barnett worked for Coach McCartney, you know, for a, for a lot of years in Colorado. And at one of the the coaches' Christmas parties, they had like a greatest hits. Someone was was recording the um, the the headset channel. And just the the stuff that was said was hilarious. And even at halftime, one time, I think the buffs were only up by 20 or something. And one of the coaches was was going to the can. And and it wasn't good enough for Max. So he grabbed one of the coach's shoulders at the urinal. And coach was still going. I mean, it got nuts. Like, it was just, what did we just witness? What did we just see? But, man, I can only imagine the the headset conversations. (laughs) Oh uh, yeah, that's 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 the stuff. The e true Hollywood miss, story. <laughs> oh yeah, and of, and and you know it's funny because you come in on Sunday and and half the stuff nobody remembers. Right, nobody right, remembers the saying right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, and then you're like, I didn't say that. I didn't say <laughs> that. And, and then you know, the big thing. I, I was fortunate. I, I never. I mean that. Whether it was at Iowa, South Carolina, and in Nebraska, you know, the we had staffs that didn't coach, and I and I've heard stories. You know, there's 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 a lot of staffs where guys want to coach other guys' positions and mm-hmm. tell other guys on the headset who di- who didn't make the play, and uh, we were we were we were very very fortunate, very fortunate. But there was one game where there was another position player, and he was killing us. I finally, I think I asked permission. I'm like, hey, guys, listen, I, I have to say something. It was like a plea. It was like a Tiny Tim speech. I'm like, hey, listen, we got to get, this guy is killing us. He has no idea what the hell he's doing. I'm like, he's not my guy. <laughs> and finally, and, uh, the, the, position, the, the position coach agreed. But then I didn't have an answer when he said, who would you like to put in next? (laughs) (laughs) So his response was, yeah, he stinks, but the next guy stinks worse. So those are our options. (laughs) I said, well, 
let's keep the guy who who doesn't stink worse in the game. So it, it, uh, in the in the whole irony in it, um, he made a play on the last play of the game to to uh, conserve or to uh, to keep the win. So uh, it's just you just you just never know. You just never know. It's crazy. You get a bunch of people. Mm. Get 22 players on the field and a bunch of coaches. It's uh, just never quite know what the hell is going to happen out there. It's all about timing. Coach Rick Kaczynski with us. Kaz, we'll do this again next week, man. Fun to chat, and thanks for spending some time with us. All right, buddy. Love it, man. Appreciate you having me on. Got to love Coach Kaz. Tales from the Headset. Could be a book. Or two. Uh, that's funny. Well, uh, if you missed part of that or you caught it all, want to hear it again, the uh, on-demand section, ESPN, Lincoln is where you go. It's log on. That's where you stream us as well. And uh, the on-demand, all the interviews today, uh, new girls head coach at Southwest, Tim Berta. Uh, Tim's one of the best dudes there is. So excited for him. Mitch Sherman talking spring ball. Jacob Bedilla, Husker Volleyball, setting their sights on another run in Omaha. And also some spring football thoughts. And you just heard Coach Kaz right there. We are loaded tomorrow. Rick Pizzo, Barry Alvarez, Mike Babcock, Shuey. So uh, good week here on Hale Varsity. Uh, we'll wind down a Tuesday. We will get what is for dinner with Damon Barr. It is box wine Tuesday for Damon. Don't know if he's going red or white tonight. Uh, Tuesday. Almost done here on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll dive into some mock draft stuff tomorrow as well. Reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, Damon Barr. What is for dinner? Well, well, well. What is the box wine of choice this evening? (laughs) I'm thinking of going away from the box towards a bottle. We got this nice sangria. Bottle time. uh, The sangria that we've been going at. And uh, it's pretty, pretty good. So, I think we'll pair it with uh, just some some pasta tonight. Maybe a little pesto sauce on there. We still have some shrimp in the in so the freezer. Shri- so, so shrimp pasta potentially. We will pesto. see what we will see what the girlfriend thinks of that suggestion. I love pesto. I I don't make my own. Do you purchase it? Do you make it? What's we, your recipe? We just get it from the store. But I'm with you, man. Like I put pesto on as much as I can. It's awesome. It's it, good. It, now it it backhands me later. Because you got the garlic and right. all that. Mm-hmm. But it is so good. So pesto's good. 
I think I'm the only one in my family who likes it, and I overdo it, and then I breathe on all of them. <laughs> but there you go. So bottled wine, there new you go. step for you. Yeah, we're stepping up in the world. How much Morgan <laughs> did you go through over the weekend? Man, uh, let's try to count it. They have this like orange uh, vanilla twist, Captain, that I, I just... I. It goes down smooth, man. Like you, you, you make fun of me, but no, like, no, I love you. That I stuff do. is good. I'm sure it is. It's kind of like the Parrot Bay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it tastes like uh, it's, it tastes like the suntan lotion's supposed to smell. <laughs> so I'm asking the um, what do you mix it? Do you just do you do regular diet? I or? throw that in a cherry coke. Go good with the cherry. So ah, so it's all sorts of all sorts of free. vitamin C. <laughs> exactly. Keeps me healthy. Damon Barr, Mr. Rum. Okay, good enough. You locked in on any baseball? Making any any bets? Uh, no bets for me. That's uh, Every time I seem to place a wager, the opposite happens. So I will uh, steer clear of, of that sort of gaming from here on. Okay. Well, that's fine. So it's uh, shrimp, it's pesto, and it's a little pasta. For Damon Barr, we always like to find out what's for dinner with Damon Barr. And do you, are you that, how do I put this, sensitive where you ask Mama Bear what she wants or do you just kind of go forward with it and say this is what we're having for dinner? Well, it's definitely more of a, hey, are you hungry yet? Are, are you hungry? Can can we get this started? Uh, you ate at three o'clock. Can we eat now? Like- Please. Da- Damon's <laughs> starving. Are you uh, going to broil, grill, saute? How are you doing the uh, the Bubba Gump sh- the Bubba Gum shrimp? Honestly, uh, just throw that in a pan, sear it, and sure. uh, throw it in your uh, your pasta, and mwah. There he goes. Well, tweet out a picture of your pesto shrimp pasta tonight. You'll get a picture for sure. That'll be good. Tomorrow, Barry Alvarez, Rick Pizzo. Mr. Mike Babcock, talk to you at four with Hale Varsity. Thanks.